0: Sometimes small things will just stay small things and that's okay too. That's actually a big part of our ongoing faithfulness to Jesus is just doing those small things out of, out of faithfulness to God ultimately, but then also just whether or not it has a disproportionate impact or whether or not it just remains as a small impact, um, we need to be, be faithful in, in doing those things just because they're actually the right thing to do.
1: Welcome to the Ending Poverty Together podcast. I'm Eric. And I'm Shalane. We're here to discuss big questions about poverty in bite-sized ways.
2: Welcome to another episode. We have Kevin Weeb here with us today.
1: Kevin is a husband, father of three, a small church pastor, and is a self-proclaimed bit of a geek.
2: (laughs) He's also the creator of a video series called Povology and author of a new book called Faithful in Small Things, how to serve the needy when you are one of them.
1: Kevin, welcome to the
0: podcast. Thanks, it's great to be here.
2: Appreciate your time and that you're willing to join us. Uh, Kevin, if you have listened to any of our podcasts and our audience is uh, now familiar with how we start these, we like to begin by asking you to finish a sentence for us. How would you complete the sentence, Poverty is...
0: Poverty is many things, Um, everything from uh, unjust to uh, dehumanizing. Um, I, I very much appreciate the stance that Food for the Hungry and many others uh, growing population of people are taking and, and the, the stance that I take in my book as well of looking at poverty as a series of broken relationships. And, and that's kind of the, the best way I've found to think about what poverty is and, and the, the pain of poverty along with the, the difficulty of why it's so hard to solve the problem of poverty in our world.
1: Yeah, And Kevin, uh, one of the resources that I first came across was your Pavology series, and obviously speaking this language uh, around poverty, this shared language. Why don't you start out with getting to know you a little bit better and how you kind of got to where you are today, uh, sort of the journey that brought you to working on Povology and ending up having this conversation with us today?
2: Just to be clear, I I suspect that there could be some people listening right now who aren't familiar with actually what the Pavology series is. So can you just give us a brief definition, understanding of what they might expect if they find? And, and just, to, just to note that the Pavology series can be found on the EndingPovertyTogether.org site because that's how we first connected and we're able to collaborate on that. What does it include?
0: Yeah, it includes interviews with all kinds of people, from pastors to frontline workers at urban uh, ministries, to um, scholars and experts who work in the field of poverty reduction. So I interviewed a, a lot of people on that topic, kind of asking questions about poverty, about what it is, about what our role is in in reducing it. Uh, as Christians, of, of course, it's from a, from a faith-based perspective, and, and looking at what that you know the tagline for it is um, poverty, theology, church, and you. Like looking at those, those pieces, that looking at poverty, but but not just from a secular standpoint, through a theological lens, uh, looking at what the Bible teaches us about all of that, about what our churches. Um, or how our churches are involved, and then what we can do as well, whether or not our churches are are actively involved in such things, and and so it's uh, six sessions. Both are all of them are about a half hour long, and looking at uh, various uh, topics in that about what uh, what Jesus has to do with it all, about uh, times when we do more harm than good, or um, how to avoid that, about the the value of doing small things. Um, there's yeah, there's six different topics that are generally covered, um, as well as, uh, there's a lot of practical wisdom of, you know, where to start in that. Um, it, there's also a discussion guide available with it too, for, for small groups or Sunday schools or for people to do on their own to kind of, uh, think through some of those things, um, further than just watching the video, but to have discussions about it and to, uh, work through the, the content together with others. Mm.
1: So as you mentioned, with with povology, a big area of focus here is really the intersection of theology and poverty. I mean, it's, realize I'm saying that kind of tongue-in-cheek. That's the name. It's povology. Um, and I'm wondering if you can speak a little bit more to that, Kevin, in terms of maybe what were some of the voices that really drew you to dig into that intersection? And then kind of how are you finding your own perspective on the intersection of poverty and theology kind of evolving over time where do you kind of find it today
0: well some of the the voices that kind of brought that intersection to mind um more profoundly were guys like shane claiborne and ron sider um and and the the way they they think and the way that they they see the world um uh, the the guys who wrote uh, "When Helping Hurts" was another one that I found very very helpful. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, their their names escape me right now, but I do believe you've had them on the on the show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, as, as Corbin well. and Fickert. Yeah, yes, exactly. Yeah, yeah. and they uh, the way they they see things both as as being people of faith that that are working with this, where where it's not something that's you know completely removed or divorced from faith, but where it kind of weaves together seamlessly. Um, add to that, that the fact that I knew that my parents um, their goal in, in, you know, inviting people over was to be, you know, to, to just share the love of Jesus with, with those that, that were in our community. Um, that, that it was, uh, not, not something, um, coercive or manipulative in terms of trying to just, you know, another feather in their hat of people to get saved or whatever, Mm -hmm. but rather just that it was their faith that inspired them to be that kind of people that would invite others over and to have that you know open door policy for people in need to to come and share what we had and so there's there's all kinds of um, examples as well like my grandmother who took us in uh, when when we needed a place to live um, and another uh, a, a lot of times where I've seen people that are in need themselves that are that are yet sharing, what they have with others because of their faith, that it was their faith that motivated them and drove them to do that. And so it, that, that kind of thing is, is what kind of pushed me to look closer at the Bible, to look at what is it that drives these people to be involved in helping others in need and to to reduce poverty in whatever small way they can. That, that What is it about their faith that drives them to do that? And so then as we look in the pages of Scripture, then we find uh, the person of Jesus uh, who is kind of the the center of all of that but yet it's it's um, when you see the person of Jesus then you see also in the Old Testament the uh uh the the consistent character of God through through mm-hmm. the whole Bible of a God who cares about those who are needy and so then when as Christians you know some people say the they, they translate it as meaning little Christs or little Jesus is walking around you know we are followers of the christ and so we are trying to live like jesus did in our day-to-day life and so to do that means we have to look at what jesus actually did and who god is and the character of god and so that's where the theology piece really uh is so important in in this kind of conversation and in this kind of study and um and and that's kind of where uh yeah how, how i i came to looking at it uh through a theological lens, and and mm-hmm. the the other piece about the the word pavology it's not a real word, but my wife and I were in it's our a living great room. Word. <laughs> Thank <laughs> you. Uh, we were in our living room one day trying to think of what to call it, and we um, we often kind of mix together uh, words, and and we do this in our culture too. Like there's breakfast and lunch, and we call it brunch when it's halfway in the middle, you know. <laughs> and so we kind of did the same thing with the word poverty and and theology, and since it's not a word, it was also a bonus because if you Google it. It's the only thing that comes up, Uh, so that's helpful as well. (laughs) That's great.
2: Uh, You've touched on this a little bit, Kevin, but I'm curious, how would you say your experience with the Pavology series, um, but also your lived experience uh, with poverty in its many forms, how has that informed you as a pastor with your church?
0: Hmm. That's a good question. I think the one of the, the big pieces that I came away with was exactly how complicated it is. We, we like to have answers as pastors. We like to, you know, when people come to us with questions, we don't want them to leave empty handed or to think that, you know, we have nothing to offer or worse, that the Bible has nothing to offer about uh, the issues in their lives, and we want to have answers for them. But un- unfortunately, that drive to answer those big questions sometimes results in in misguided ways of helping and teaching where everything is oversimplified. And in any place where um, things are oversimplified, it can do some damage. We see this in the news all the time from all camps and uh, people of all kinds of persuasions. When things get oversimplified, then, you know, for some people it, 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 rings true, but for so many others, it just is the very opposite of what they're dealing with or, or it, um, it prevents further discussion or it, it prevents further understanding and it, it can end up being very polarizing in people's lives and, and damaging. And so then that, that, that question I asked earlier of what would it take to heal all of the broken relationships in your life? Um, even though I don't think that question comes up specifically in povology, um, but that's kind of been the impact in in my ministry uh, as a pastor of looking at, at that kind of question and then seeing how, how common it is that there are broken relationships at the root of people's poverty, um, actually probably all people's poverty, but also then it it's, there's no quick and easy answers and and because it's not only involving them but other people it's also involving assumptions that and presuppositions that they carry with them every day about themselves or about the world they they live in that um, are really entrenched as well, and, and we all have those things. And so then it, it comes at it from a perspective of both wanting to still wanting to help. but it, it takes a different posture. It takes the, the posture of, of listening and learning as opposed to always having answers for people. And, and sometimes it just means being a listening ear as a pastor to help people kind of sort things out for themselves, even while there are times where we also will, you know, rally the troops and, uh, so to speak, um, it's kind of an odd analogy to use because uh, we're, we're a peace church and and so <laughs> therefore pacifists, so to say, rally the troops is a bit odd. But to, uh, to, to get our church involved in helping a very real need at that time, be it just with... Uh, you know, reducing their expenses by providing groceries and grocery gift cards for, for a month or two, or helping with rent for that month or, or something of that sort to meet that tangible need. But, but beyond that, it's, we, we know, and I I make no um, assumptions or, or or have no um, illusions about the fact that that's not going to fix all their problems. You know, um, you could pay their, pay someone's rent forever, but at the root of it, that's not going to fix all of their problems, right? And so then it's it's a much more humble approach, I guess, to to just realizing the complexity of it all and to to taking a posture of listening and learning of of sometimes just waiting and and partnering instead of kind of blindly charging ahead with what I think needs to happen in someone's life as opposed to um, listening and working together with someone. To, uh, to, to really give them the dignity of being in charge of their own lives as well.
1: Mm. To our listeners, to those who are interested in the listening and learning and furthering the conversation around the topic of poverty, we encourage you to reach out to us by email. We love to hear from you. Uh, you can reach us at podcast at fhcanada.org. You can feel free to reach out and share the things that are standing out to you from this conversation with Kevin it's already so enriching and insightful we would love to be able to continue that conversation with you Kevin switching back to something that uh, you kind of touched on to begin with you are an author and we would love to hear more about what your book is all about
0: Yeah the book is called Faithful in Small Things How to Serve the Needy When You're One of Them and it's uh it's largely about that about what do we do when we find ourselves in positions like my parents were, of having very serious needs themselves, but also feeling called by God to be like Jesus, like all Christians are? And and how do you live that out in a context where you don't have a whole lot? And so the the book starts out with some of those stories from, from my upbringing. And, and continues on through, through a journey of, of learning that, that I, I took myself and, and shares a lot of stories about, uh, about my life, about um, people that I knew, people that I encountered, some for even just a few hours of, uh, of literally walking with someone on a hiking trail for a while and <laughs> what they had to teach me about some of these things as well. And so there's all kinds of stories about it, it kind of goes through four sections. The first kind of looking at the Bible on the topic of poverty and focusing on some of those um, age-old Christian beliefs, those really orthodox beliefs, everything from uh, the Trinity to um, the person of Jesus, to um, what it means to to live with integrity and not with hypocrisy and actually living out that which the Bible uh, teaches us and that which we claim to believe too. And then it also talks about the, the fact that we're all broken. We all have some form of poverty in our own life that we need to deal with as well. Then it kind of goes in in part two to understanding poverty. Um, just looking at some of the really complex and difficult situations people faced that my, my goal is to to humanize the conversation a lot, to not be just about this idea, mm-hmm. but about people that have faces and people that have names and to Uh, to hear some of those stories. Mm -hmm. You know, Kevin, if I can
2: just add to that, um, one of the things that we often talk about at Food for the Hungry is how often in life we talk about people who are living in extreme poverty or extreme material poverty. We don't talk with people. We don't hear their experiences. We don't share our own experiences vulnerably with other people. So I just want to I just want to say thank you for including as many stories as you do, and for making that effort to really humanize what does it mean to be living in some of these difficult, uh, particularly material poverty situations. But beyond that, in in terms of all of the broken relationships,
0: what we do sometimes when we when we get into conversations about ideas um, is we forget that. Ideas have consequences, and and these ideas are are representative of people's lives. And there's some ideas that we talk about on and and in such a polarizing world, you can talk about something, and you have you have so many perspectives and so many like a huge spectrum of different things. And if we only focus on you know one side of that spectrum or one piece of it and speak really boldly, you know there might be a lot of truth there, but um, without involving people, then it's so easy to to let it lose its complexity, lose its nuance, lose its kind of complicated, messy nature. And when we do that, then we can ostracize a whole bunch of of people. And there's, there's stories in the book, actually, of how I've done that myself, where unintentionally alienated an entire room full of people just by, you know, talking about one thing and one careless remark. In the midst of that, ended up alienating a whole group of people, and how easy that happens, mm. and and I think that's uh, something we're we're all uh, n- not immune from. We all can can do that, but it's those stories I think that that we um, could say muddy the waters, maybe. But actually, I think that's what makes it a bit more clear because if we're too focused on just an idea, just some pie in the sky thing and forget about the people behind it, then it seems clear when really it's not. And the clarity actually comes with how messy it is and how muddy those waters actually are and how difficult it is for real people.
2: You were uh, you were in the process, I kind of interrupted you there, of talking about the, the four parts of your book. We got through one and two. Uh, yeah. Part three and part four?
0: Yeah, part three is a lot of uh, just kind of more practical advice about about the work of reducing poverty um both the value of relationships and the difficulty of relationships about the importance of of giving both sacrificially like being generous but also holistically where it's not only about money it's about then there's there's Parts about, uh, one chapter is called Turn Off the Tap, where it is about how do we get to the bottom of the root causes of poverty? How do we find that and shut that off? So we're not just addressing symptoms, but actually the causes. Also about um, choice and consequence in the whole Part about free will and volition and and what all that has to do with it all, and and helping in ways that that really bring dignity to the situation and allow people to have some measure of um, choice over over the outcome of their own lives. And then the last section uh, is called risks and possibilities, and it's it's kind of looking at what's going to happen when we start um, acting in this way. And, and the first chapter in that section is called when we harm, not if, but when, because like, like any relationship, and I, I compare it to marriage in there is that when we teach about marriage and when I was an in uh, when my wife and I were engaged, we heard a lot of teachings about marriage as we prepared for marriage, and they said when you hurt each other, it was not an if; it was a foregone conclusion of when. And and anyone who who's married, of course, will know, or or anyone who's had a friend for more than a day will will know that that will happen. And so, in in the same in the same way, it's uh, if we're thinking about poverty as broken relationships. If we have a relationship with someone, we're not perfect. They're not perfect. There's going to be times when we harm people. And so just, you know, being honest about that, but also not, um, not hopeless about it either. Just, just like in, in marriage where, you know, this is, this is a reality and, and that doesn't mean it's not worth it to, to be married you know it doesn't mean that marriage is now something to just give up on in the same way in in seeking to reduce poverty there's going to be times where where we do the wrong thing but that doesn't mean we should let that paralyze us or or prevent us from doing it so then the next chapter is called falling forward about learning and moving forward in it and then the last couple chapters are about when when we start engaging in those small acts of great love um you know there's a possibility that sometimes small things actually have a really large impact in the world and we see so many uh, accounts of that where small things end up being a catalyst for something huge but then there's also um the flip side of that where where we can get into this kind of polarized speaking again if we uh if we would only stop there then then we might think well we should be very met- like meticulous and careful and do those small things that will the biggest impact and we might be waiting for a moment to do the small thing that's going to have a big feather in our hat and then we never do anything at all and so sometimes small things will just stay small things and that's okay too and there's there's that's that's actually a big part of our ongoing faithfulness to Jesus is just doing those small things um out of out of faithfulness to God ultimately but then um also, ju- just whether or not it has a disproportionate impact or whether or not it just remains as a small impact, um, we need to be, be faithful in, in doing those things just because they're actually the right thing to do, even when it makes it difficult.
2: Well, I know in my own experience, uh, I remember encountering an author who talked about dropping a tiny pebble into what could become an ocean of ripple effect, and we may never know. The impact of what those small things are, but we serve a God who is amazing at multiplying and working it in ways that uh, we don't always get to see the results. But that that call to be faithful in small things, I appreciate that. Thank you for sharing about that.
0: You're welcome. I should I should say too, as well that and and I mentioned it in the book, but just for the sake of your listeners who maybe uh, aren't going to be reading it, but that I don't believe that 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 should let us justify bad processes or bad practices and say, well, I'm just being faithful, you know, without looking at can we actually do better? Is this really faithfulness mm-hmm. or is it just stubbornness and doing things my way? You know, there's uh, sometimes the just being faithful in what we're doing and let God sort out the rest can be used as a kind of manipulative way of just not learning and and not doing things better but i i think that there's there too there there's, there's that balance between those two truths that we kind of gotta keep intention of of that being that willingness to do the small things and be faithful in that while also realizing that it is a really really big world and complicated thing and there's a piece of it where we have to leave it up to god mm-hmm.
1: Well, Kevin, I think my personal takeaway from this conversation really comes in the form of like you're you're doing like a gentle nudge, which I really appreciate. Which is take action. You'll make mistakes. Recognize that, but don't just sit in the kind of like paralysis of not doing anything for fear of messing it up, or oh, I'm not going to do the the greatest thing ever, so I'll, I'll choose to do nothing instead. I just find that that's a really helpful perspective to be. To be sharing today, so I appreciate you saying that. And I also add on to that to our listeners: you know, what are you leaving with from this episode today? What is that gentle nudge that's uh, coming to you as a result of this conversation with Kevin? What's resonating with you? Uh, what can you start doing or stop doing today, even or tomorrow? Such good stuff to chew on in this conversation already, Kevin. Thank you.
2: One last quick one, perhaps, because we usually ask our guests this, what books would you recommend? Now, clearly, we would recommend Faithful and Small Things, the one that you've written. From a resource perspective, the Pavology series, are there a couple of other books or resources that you can recommend to our listeners?
0: Yeah, there's there's a few. If you're a bit more academic in nature and, and really appreciate the statistics about things, then Rich Christians in, in Age of Hunger by Ron Sider is one that does a really good job of diving into some of those kind of global perspectives that are really helpful. Um, otherwise, uh, things with, uh, with, with a lot of stories is, is books like the irresistible revolution by Shane Claiborne that I, I find is a really helpful way. Like, like I've, I don't know how many times I've, I've read that book, but I find it just inspiring, uh, the, the, the stories of real people and real experiences in there that, that again, help humanize things and help, uh, leave with a sense of encouragement to get involved instead of just a sense of guilt um, uh, about all of that. And, and then, uh, as I mentioned before, when helping hurts was another one that I found very, very helpful. Just, uh, some people say you shouldn't read that book on its own because it can leave you feeling a bit hopeless for some people, but I, that wasn't my experience with it personally. I found it just really helpful to, to be thoughtful about, um, kind of the people on the receiving end of our charity and how it's being received, um, and and the the difference between our intentions and where those intentions, kind of the impact or the how our intentions function in the real world, or to use a biblical analogy, what is the fruit that our actions are bearing, and to have a very you know sober minded evaluation of that, um, that's a very good one for that. Toxic charity is is another one that's kind of a similar uh, similar perspective as well. So those are a few that I've um, really appreciated. Um, uh, and and yeah, as you mentioned, there's uh, my my book as well faithful in small things um, and and for fair warning for for listeners, I come from a rural context. so that's one of its uh, kind of distinctive things is it's not about big city ministries or urban planning issues or anything like that. It comes from the uh, perspective of someone who's lived in rural Canada and and works with people in in rural areas yeah
2: mm. i I'm glad you mentioned that because I think a lot of times, when people are addressing these kind of issues, it's really hard to find resources that speak Mm -hmm. to issues in rural kinds of areas. Many resources have illustrations that come from larger urban kind of centers. So that's great. Appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, Kevin. It's been delightful being able to chat with you. Our first connection was when endingpovertytogether.org, the website, was being developed And having had our conversation today, it's no surprise to me that we felt like there was a a strong alignment because the uh, perspective you have on broken relationships being at the root of poverty is so central to the work that we do at Food for the Hungry. And um, we just want to thank you and bless you and all that you do and uh, just let you know how much we appreciate our, our time with you today.
0: Well, thanks for having me.
1: To explore what your next steps could be, or find out more about what other Canadians are doing about poverty, start by checking out fhcanada.org resources.